everybody. It's so good to be with you today. I want to keep you posted about what's happening here at Crossroads. The first thing is our drive-in movie night, which is happening June 19th at 8.30. Check out our website, get registered, bring your car up on June 19th. It's going to be so much fun. We'll see you there. The second thing is July 13th to the 17th is our Vacation Bible School Mega Sports Camp. So the activities and sports are going to be involved with this year are going to be so much fun. So check out our website to see all the different things that are going to be happening that week. You can serve and you can see our volunteer sign-up sheet on the website and you can also get your kid registered on the front page of our website. Guys, we're going to get started here in just a few minutes, but just know that we've been praying for you and God is going to do something so awesome in your life today. everybody thanks for joining us in the building and online let's stand up we're gonna sing together come on Things 
still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. You're not done. You're not. Greater things still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead. testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony oh I'm alive this is my testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ
Will you make what exists in the darkness tremble and fear just at the mention of your name? And so what I know is that us here believers, the, the people that are here to worship your name, will experience that same intensity, but, but in your love. So, Father, I thank you for that truth and just that we can be here in whatever form. We're online, we're in person, we're singing in the car, whatever that looks like. God, we love you and we thank you for your son, Jesus, who, who gave us hope and who gave us life. In his name, everybody said, amen. Yes, give it up for the Lord. Yeah. Well, good morning. You guys are already grabbing a seat because you're amazing. That's awesome. So uh, it's good to see all you this morning. Uh, we get to do something special. We get to celebrate uh, our our high school and college grads. And so I'm going to invite them to stand and come up here and join me on the stage. But I want to make sure we do it right. So as they're standing and walking, let's hit the music. Yeah. All right. Come on up here. Make sure you guys are in the light. So cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So I always, you know... I thought it would just be cool for them to be the class of 2020. I thought that'd be a cool year. My, what a year it's been, right? But they are not just the class of 2020. They're the class of the quarantine of 2020. Um, and everything stopped and they went, nope, not me. I'm pushing through. And uh, you, guys are, you guys are champs. And so we're so proud of you. So I just want to read uh, their names. So when I say your name, step forward. Wave so you can be in the light. We'll, we'll take your picture and then it'll be awesome. So uh, first on the list, we have Tori Brain. So Tori is a Baldwin High School grad. Yep. And she is headed to Chatham University for nursing. So she's going to make sure that we all stay healthy, which is awesome. Um, we uh, uh, have another uh, couple that were, were here, but we had uh, Kyle Beckinger and his sister. Uh, both of them grads. So Kyle Beckinger, he finished at Ringgold High School. He's going to study at Kent State uh, Zoology. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and then his sister just finished at West Penn, his sister Madeline, West Penn Hospital School of Nursing. And she said it's a Capella University for her RN to BSN. So awesome. Her on the front line there. We also have Morgan Byers. Uh, and so let's give it up for Morgan. Yeah. So Morgan is a Peter Township High School grad. She is headed to Westminster College, double majoring in sports management and marketing because she's smart and she can. So way to go. We're uh, excited for that. Yes. Uh, another one of uh, our church family who is out of town this weekend, but Ryan Moore, he's a Peter Township grad. He is headed to Robert Morris University for sports management. So good luck, Ryan. We have Allison Schreier here this morning, so she's a Canon Mac grad. Uh, she is headed to Indiana University of Pennsylvania to major in nursing as well. So, a lot in the health field, super great. 
A couple others that were not able to be here this morning, but we have Malia Bittner uh, and Niali Rodriguez. Both are best friends. They finished at TJ together, uh, and they are headed to the workforce. So really proud of you girls as well. We have Crystalline Cray. Uh, she's a Ringgold grad, headed to cosmetology to make us all look better. So that's, uh, that's really cool. Hopefully she'll open her own shop in the future. Isabella Caruso is a, a Thomas Jefferson grad. She's headed to California University of Nursing, so super cool there. Uh, Ronnie Gorecki uh, is one of our homeschool grads, uh, and he is hoping to start at the Carpenters Local Union, so making stuff. So that's super great. Um, then we have Madison Kuzawinski, uh, another one of the homeschool grads. Yep. She's jumping into the workforce, too, just raising the caliber of work out there. Um, and then I mentioned Madeline, and another one of our college grads is Kara Barner. Uh, so she finished up at Liberty, uh, and she's pursuing a career in public health. So let's give them all one big, crazy round of applause. And guys, as you know, uh, we are incredibly, incredibly proud of you. You guys worked hard. You stepped up to the plate and, and you persevered through it. And so um, we truly believe that nothing is going to be impossible for you guys. And so before, uh, before you walk off the stage, I would just like us as a church family, let's just stand together um, and let's pray over these grads as they step into uh, their next chapter um, and we just watch God change the world through them. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the strength that you give to each one of us. So, Lord, right now, we as a family, we, we lift up the 2020 grads. We're so proud of everything that they have done, and we believe that as long as they keep their eyes on you, Lord, that you're going to do amazing things through them. We pray that you protect them, guide them, fill them with your spirit. We pray that you would uh, bless them in their endeavors, Lord. And uh, we just thank you that we get to be a part of their story. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Go ahead and head on, head on back to your seats. Let's give them one more big, crazy class of 2020 applause. You know, as, I, as I'm up here and I'm looking at them and they're graduating, they're stepping into this new amazing adventure, I can't help but think, of where it all began. I can't think, and I remember me as a kid sitting in Sunday school in a circle, looking up at my Sunday school teacher as she is teaching us the Bible on flannel graph. And I love the fact that we as a church get to do that together right now. So let's get ready for flannel graph faith. Isn't it good to come back home? Glad that you're here today. Let's thank our great God for all that he's doing. He's so good to us. And you graduates out there, we're so thankful, man. 2020, uh, God's been good to you, and we're glad that, uh, so happy for you. Sorry you didn't get that graduation that you always wanted, but we had a little one here today, right? 
But uh, we're thanking God for that. So I'm, I'm going to welcome our children into the service today. We have uh, our children. Let's give them a hand, man. We're glad that they're up here with us today. Yeah. So I want to challenge the children as, as I'm doing this. I, I, we chose this for you guys. Like the deacons asked me to do a sermon series with flannel graph because of the kids would be up here. So this is for you guys, and it's for all you old people too, okay? Oh, I'm sorry, there are no old people here, all right? It's for everybody, all right? So the, the reason that we're doing the flannel graph is when I was a kid, and I, kids, I want you to know this, when I was a kid, I would go into a classroom, and the teacher would put stuff like this up on a board, this is a felt board, and they would, call, they would put up these characters, and they were known as flannel graph. And so I would put the, uh, they would come in and like this was like the latest and greatest. Like, like they would put these things up there and have you kids ever seen anything like this downstairs? I know this is such new technology. You've never seen it before. Okay. You kids back there ever seen anything like this before? This is, this is pretty cool stuff. And so what the teacher would do is the teacher would come up and the teacher would put on, um, make these scenes out of it, out of nothing up here. So like these trees and this is such high tech that you probably saw these trees last week. And um, and when they make these sceneries up here, and they would make the Bible come alive for us. Because I absolutely, like when I was a kid and I would see this, the Bible would come alive. Because somebody would teach us, and they were passionate about the Bible, about God's Word. And so this morning, as we are going through our adult series on flannel graph faith, I want to take us, because there were many lessons. I learned a lot of Bible stories when I was a kid, but sometimes I forgot the lesson. Like sometimes I missed the lesson. All I caught was the trees and I caught the guy and the, and the lady. And so today I want you to catch the guy and the lady. And I want you to catch this whole story because it's going to be powerful. And if you'll let it, it'll, it can change your life. Somebody walked out of here after the first hour and said, my life was changed this morning. And it was from a flannel graph faith. So they, they caught the faith. So uh, I went, this was just a tool. This was a technique that people used. And, uh, and it's special to me because whenever I was young, that's what they did. So when our deacons said, why don't you use flannel graph? They were joking. And I said, let's do it. And so we, we've been having some fun. Now, what I want to do is I, I want to go to the book of Ruth this morning. Last weekend, we looked at Gideon, and Gideon was this mighty man of God, and I hate to call these things stories because they're not stories, they're history. These were actual people that actually lived at this time, at certain times. You can go back and look here in Ruth chapter 1 is where we're going today, okay? Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 says this, says that during the time of the judges, so last week we talked about Gideon, he was one of the judges, the nation of Israel, they would get close to God. God would bless them, and then all of a sudden they would become lackadaisical. They would just be kind of, uh, just become forgetful that God was even there, and they would forget, and they would just enjoy the blessings. They would become complacent. Sound familiar? Sound familiar into your life? When things are good, we're, we become a little complacent. When things get tough, God gets our attention. And so it says here, it says that at, during the time of the judges, uh, this was a 400-year, a 400-period. If you read the book of Judges, it spans 400 years. Actual time in the history of Israel um, that, uh, that there was no king, but God used different leaders to keep freeing them from the oppressions that came upon the people. During the time of the Judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem and Judah with his wife, and two sons to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. So here they are. I'm going to put the man and the wife up there, right? 
And the man and the wife, and now you kids, I want to encourage you to take notes. This, this always helps with, with, with the kids. Write down the key names. Like when you hear the names, I want you to be able to go home and tell your parents today who were the key characters. I'm going to give you a, a lot of key characters, all right? There's five or six, maybe seven, okay? But any, yeah, two, four, six, seven. Seven key characters. I want you to catch the key characters. And kids, on your way home in the car, um, tell, tell your parents what they are. And parents, if they guess them all, buy them an ice cream, okay? Is that a deal? Oh, yeah, kids are coming upstairs forever now, you know? All right? So, so I want you to catch this. Here's this man and the woman, and they were living in Bethlehem. Remember, this is not kind of interesting. Bethlehem means house of bread. And he says that there was a famine in the house of bread. Very interesting. When you see little things like that, pay attention. God's speaking loud and clear here. From the house of bread, there was a famine. So the man's name was Elimelech. Elimelech means God is king. That's the meaning of his name. Elimelech. And his wife's name was Naomi. Naomi means sweet. We have a Naomi in our church. And funny, she works at a bakery. <laughs> she owns her own bakery here in Monongahela, okay? Which I heard it just opened up. You've got to get down there and go visit Naomi's bakery. Uh, Sambol Bakery is the name of it, okay? Anyhow, so it means, her name means sweet. Elimelech, God is king. Naomi means sweet. The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. So what happened was they came down here. And they left Bethlehem because there was no food. There was a famine, and they took matters into their own hands. And, folks, when we take matters into our own hands, it's never good. It's never good. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end leads to destruction. To destruction. This is what happens. When we go out and we take our own, we take it into our own hands, it leads to destruction. Moab, now check this out. Moab, this is the place uh, that God did not want them to go. He says, don't go to Moab. As a matter of fact, over in Deuteronomy 23, it says that Moabites were not even allowed to come to worship. Like the nation of Israel. Why did God do that? Why would he say that? Because it wasn't because of the nationalities. He had nothing against the nationalities. He, what he was saying was that over in Moab, they didn't worship the one true and living God. And so he wasn't going to have them come in who were worshiping false gods and come in and, and, uh, and corrupt their worship. And, and they wouldn't be truly worshiping God anymore. So God was trying to keep them about himself. And it's all about his relationship with his, with, uh, with his people. So Elimelech comes over. And now he has two sons. And here come the two sons, Malon and Chilion. Those are quite the names, aren't they? Malon and Chilion. And so they come over there, and they were Ephratites from Bethlehem and Judah. Uh, they entered the fields of Moab, and they settled there. So it tells us that they settled in there. And what does it mean when it means that they settled in? They began to live life. Uh, the, the, the first part, they didn't intend to go over and stay there. And, folks, here's what happens. When you go into Moab, you stay longer than what you expected. Like you say, I'm just going to go over here for a little bit. I'm just going to enjoy this for a little season. Listen, when you go in there, it, it, it burns you, and you end, up, you end up settling in. And so here's what happened. They settled in over there, and they began to live their life there. They began to assume the culture there. They, everything changed. They, they were no longer hanging out in Bethlehem because there was no food. And God didn't say, go to Moab to get your food. He said, I want you to stay here. 
And these people took matters into their own hands. Now, we're going to see some powerful things here because as you go through this, I see the hand of Almighty God in the whole book of Ruth. It's like God's hand was there even though they disobeyed. And, folks, I would never tell you to disobey God, but I want to show you here that whenever, even, even when you do disobey God, He still loves you. He doesn't, he doesn't not love you anymore. He's like your parents are supposed to be. You know, most parents, I, if I said that today, do you still love your kid when they do wrong? You say, yes, most parents. But I know some parents who get really crazy because of these things. And I want you to know that, that uh, because uh, they disobeyed, did not separate them from the love of God. They entered the fields of Moab. Her, and, uh, and then verse, verse 3 says, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died. So now Elimelech dies, and, uh, and she has her two sons there. And it says that her sons took Moabite women uh, as their wives. One was named Orpah, not Oprah, okay? You look at it, it looks like Oprah from a distance. Uh, Orpah, and the second was named Ruth. So uh, here, comes, here comes these wives here, right? And, uh, and, and now we have this family. So they're in there, and she has, she has no husband. Uh, Naomi had no husband, but she has her, son, her daughters, I'm sorry, her sons, and now these two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. And then you say, wow, it's going to live happily ever after. They have food. Sad that Elimelech died, but let me show you what happens. They lived in Moab about 10 years. Malon and Chilion also died. Oh. Malon and Shilion die. So here is Naomi. Naomi's lost her husband, and she's lost her two sons. And Naomi goes into depression. She gets mad. She gets angry. As a matter of fact, she, she becomes bitter. And, and she tells, she, when she returns, what, what she begins to hear, as they're living life over there, and she's there, she's now all alone. She says, I'm empty. I am all alone over here. I, I'm not even at home. And now all I have is these two daughters-in-law. And as I'm looking at these two daughters-in-law, I, I've got to realize that, man, life is painful because I don't have my husband. I don't have my sons. This is a terrible, terrible thing about life. And you would be the same. You, and you know, when you see bad things happen, you get down. Uh, depression can get in. Depression can take over. And, and she even goes back and she begins to hear. And, and so what happens is Naomi hears that things are going good in Bethlehem. So what does she do? She begins to move back and says, I'm going to head and start making my way to, back to Bethlehem. Because, and it's very interesting, it says that the Lord listened to the need of the people. And, folks, I want to remind you that God always listens to the need of his people. He may not supply in your time. He may not do what you want him to do when you want him to do, but he still is listening to your need. For ten years, there uh, there was suffering. There's all kind of suffering happened to the children of Israel over and over and over. And you go back and you look at this history and you say, wow, what was God doing? God was getting the attention of his people. Like we went through three months of really hard times in our country. Imagine ten years of this. Imagine that. And so God says, listen, I love my people enough that I'm going to turn off the food supply to get their attention. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to make it really tough so that they'll depend on me. And so Naomi hears that all of a sudden that God has listened to their need and that he is responding. So she begins her journey back. And Naomi says to each of her, each of her um, uh, daughters-in-laws, look what she says. Naomi said to them, each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness 
to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. It says, as you have shown to my boys that, that have died, may the Lord show kindness to you. And, and this, is, this is the word here. It's hesed. It's a Hebrew word, and it means this loyal love. It's a love. He loves you because he loves you. It's not a love of anything that you do. It's a love because he has to love you. He's chosen to love you. And it's not because you've done something to offer this and you deserve this love. It's a love that he says, listen, I love you because you screwed up. Now, that's the kind of God that I serve. You screwed up, and God says, I love you in spite of that. And because you screwed up, I love you even more. I am committed to loving you no matter what you've done. And that's the ultimate love of our God. And so Israel understood this. This word hesed love is a big love. It's a big relationship between Israel and their God. And so when you see this in the Scriptures here, you see this relationship between God and His people. And He says, listen, uh, she says, each of you go back to your mother's homes. May the Lord just take care of you. And He show, show what you've done to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. And she kissed them and she wept loudly. So she's, she's, she's just in so much pain. And she's like, I gotta, I'm going back home. You guys stay here. You have your gods, you have, uh, you have your, your false gods, you have this culture, you have your family over here. And besides, you can marry uh, other young men now, and life can move on forward for you. Again, they wept loudly. And Orpah kissed her mother. Kissed her mother-in-law. Verse 14. But Ruth, the Scripture says, clung to her. Literally, she clung to her. <laughs> right? I, again, they wept loudly, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and left, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth says, I'm not going to leave you. And, and Naomi says, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. This is so sad. She's not even thinking about Ruth and Orpah becoming followers of God. She's thinking, go back to your own gods. You know what happens when, we're, when we are so bitter? When we become better, we can't see anybody else's need. We can't see the spiritual needs of the people around us. That, that's the ultimate of bitterness. Like, all I care about is my pain. And, and, and what happened was Ruth, as a matter of fact, Ruth goes back, and, and as, as she goes back into the town, they see her and, and they say, Hey, Naomi. And she said, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. She says, I, I, don't call me Mara. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. Why? Because she was mad. She was hurt. And, and, and she was upset. And this, she was going through a long period of time here. She is in a depression. She is hurting. She's in severe pain. Look what Ruth replies, though. Ruth says, don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. Ruth says, listen, I, I, I want you, to, Naomi, don't plead with me not to do this. I will go where you go. This is so powerful. This next verse here, verse 17, uh, verse 16, 16, there you go. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She continues on. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. Now, I want you to catch what's going on here. 
she says this. She says, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm making a promise, Ruth. Ruth is making a promise to Naomi. She clings to her, and she says, I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you. And Ruth replies back. How does Naomi reply back? Naomi replies. She says, Ruth was determined to go with her. She stopped talking. Naomi stopped talking whenever Ruth was determined, and they go back into Bethlehem. There, she's going back. She's heard that God's doing something over there. She's heard that there's food. Life has fallen apart. She goes back, and now she has Ruth with her. And I, and I want you to catch what happens, because Ruth now has to go out to work. And in the next slide here, Ruth goes out to work, and she now moving to digital flannel graph over here. Okay, kids? So you can follow over here on the big screen. You can see a little bit better, all right? So, so Ruth comes home, and Ruth has, has now, she's younger, and she can go work. Naomi's a little bit older, so we're, she went out, and it was known as gleaning. What, there was a principle in the Old Testament that God would take uh, the, the landowners, and he would instruct them, first of all, everybody had to give their 10% to God. They come, and they worship the Lord. They gave their top 10 to, to the Lord. And then on top of that, he told the owners of the land to, to, uh, to leave extra food out there for those that were poor. And let them come along and let them pick up the leftovers. And it's known as gleaning. So, so Ruth comes here before the Lord and says, listen, I would like to go out and I would like to, uh, I would like to go out and, and be a gleaner. And she says, well, listen, we have a... Naomi replies back that we have a, a, a family redeemer. His name is, um, we have a close, close relative of Elimelech. His name is Boaz. And uh, Ruth, Ruth the Moabite asked Naomi, here's what she says. She says, will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone with whom I find favor? And Naomi says, go ahead and go. So she goes out to work and she begins to find food and bring food home. So Ruth left and entered the field to gather the grain behind the harvester. She happened to be in the portion in the field which belongs to Boaz, who was from Elimelech's family. Later, when Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, he said to the harvester, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. They replied. And Boaz asked his servant this. Who is that woman? Whose young woman is this? And so what he's saying, he's he's looking now. Now let me interpret this for you. Here's the landowner. He comes. He's used to his people working every day. And all of a sudden he sees this new, beautiful young woman out there working in this field. And let me translate it. He says, who's that girl? Who's the good-looking girl in the field? Who's working today? I've... I know I would have recognized her yesterday. Where'd she come from? And, and the servant answered and said, She is the young Moabite woman from whom returned uh, with Naomi from the territory of Moab. So, so she comes back. Remember, this, this, this was like taboo. They didn't do this, all right, because of the, because of the laws that God had set forth. And so, so they come in, and, and he recognizes this woman, and she, she asks, Now, Nay, uh, Ruth asked, she says, will you let me gather fallen grain among the bundles? Will you let me glean in your field, basically? And then Boaz says, listen, don't go and gather grain in any other field. You stay here in my field, R- Ruth 2, verse 8. And don't leave this one, but stay here close to my fellow servants. She, which, let, uh, we're going to go back to that other picture that was right up there. There you go. Um, 
And we'll leave that up for a while there. See which field they are harvesting and following them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars that I have filled. He says, listen, I'm going to take care of you. I want you to, I want you to gather this. And, and so what happens is she goes out and she's working in the field now. She's gleaning and she's bringing back all this food that she can take back and, uh, and, and take care of Naomi. Verse 19, her mother-in-law said to her, why do you gather barley today? Uh, where did you gather barley today and where did you work May the Lord bless the man who did this for you. And Ruth told her mother-in-law, whom, whom that he had worked for, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. And then Naomi says to her daughter-in-law, May the Lord bless him because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. There's that word again, hesed, kindness, the loving kindness of God. He has not abandoned his kindness. This guy hasn't abandoned his loving kindness. And Naomi continued, this man is a close relative of ours. He is one of our family redeemers. He is one of our family redeemers. And so what happened? There was a law in the Old Testament that if you had land and you had a family and the man died, that the next brother in line could come in and he could take over and uh, he could purchase the land, he could receive the inheritance, and he could marry the widow and carry on the family name. And it was a beautiful thing, really, that somebody would come in and take care of these widows, would come in and care for the people and take care of the land and receive the inheritance. So Naomi says, this is one of our family redeemers. And, uh, and so there's this exchange happening saying, listen, do you understand what could happen here? This is what could happen. This could be the guy that is one of our family. This guy could be your husband. This guy could be the guy that's going to take care of us. All right. And so Naomi and Ruth have a discussion. Naomi, uh, have this little talk. And she comes over and she says, now listen, here's what's going to happen. And you keep working. And the girl was going out working. And you can imagine she comes back working every day. What happens when you're out working in the field? You get sweaty. Thank you. Somebody's following along, right? You get sweaty, all right? And and you're out working in the field. You get sweaty. And and if you're just working in the field day after day after day, you typically don't take care of yourself, right? You just kind of go out and just, all right, it's another day. So Naomi comes to Ruth here, and she says, here's the plan. She says, I want you to take a bath. And I'm blown away that this is in the Bible, guys. All right? I'm blown away by this. As I was reading this in Ruth chapter 3, you can look it up and read it for yourself. She, he says, I want you to, she says, I want you to wash, and I want you to put on perfume. And, and I want you to wear your best clothes. In other words, she says, I want you to become presentable. I'm preparing you for battle, baby, okay? I'm preparing you to get Boaz's attention, all right? Now, this is a little over the kid's head, but guys, parents, you know what I'm talking about here, right? So, so this is like, put on the smelling sauce. Let's go. It's go time, right? So, so, so she says, listen, take good care of him, and, and I want you to go in there and go down to the threshing floor, but don't let that man know that, uh, know that you are there until he's finished eating and drinking for the night. And when he lies down, notice that the place where he is lying, uh, notice where he's lying, and then you'll go in, uncover his feet, and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. And Ruth says, yes, ma'am, I'll do whatever you say. 
And, and, and here comes Boaz. He comes in. He lays down, as the Scripture tells us. Uh, she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law charged her to do. And she lays down. She comes in secretly after he goes to bed, secretly goes in, uncovers his feet, and lays down on the floor at the foot of his bed. And then at midnight it says that he woke up and he was startled. He's like, who's in my room? What woman? What, who are you? And she responds. She says, I am Ruth, your servant. And she says this. She says, take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. And then she said, my Lord, bless you. My daughter, you have shown more kindness. I'm sorry. He said this. He says this to her. All right, so they're having this exchange. It's, it's midnight. And he says, listen, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. And don't be afraid. I will do whatever you say since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. He's the Redeemer. He's going to take care of her. And so, so the next morning she gets up and he sends her back to Naomi and he gives her six bushels of food. And she takes back the six bushels of food. And as she carries that six bushels of food to, to Naomi, um, they have this discussion. And she, she says, Naomi, my daughter, uh, you've, got to, you've got to understand that the, this is going to play out. This is going to happen here. And what happened was there was another redeemer, one that was closer in line, so it's like you know when you're when you're looking at an inheritance, there's somebody that's closer in line to receive the inheritance. Well, Elimel- I'm sorry, Boaz knew that, and Boaz says, "Listen, I am going. I'm, I, I've got to go check this out." And he had told that to Ruth. So Ruth goes back and, and tells him that. And look what what Naomi says. She says, "My daughter, wait until you find out these things, how things are going to go, for he will not rest until he resolves this today." In other words, she knows Boaz is not going to let this slide. He can, have the rede- he can redeem this whole situation. He can buy back this, the, the inheritance, and, and he can even marry you. So this is a very powerful thing that can happen here. So, he, so Boaz goes before the town, and he finds the other person who was the, the redeemer that was closer to the inheritance than he was. And he has this discussion. He says, listen, can I, 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 do you want to be the redeemer? Or if not, I will. And the other guy says basically, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I want you to be the redeemer because if I become the redeemer, then I'll lose my own inheritance. And so he says, uh, so the redeemer removed his sandal, verse four, chapter 4, verse 8, removed his sandal and said to Boaz, buy the property back yourself. Now there's a sign of your word. Hand him your sandal. Wouldn't that be cool? Hey, Luke, here's my shoe. Here's a deal, you know? Yeah, it looks like no deal. Deal or no deal. No deal, right? Uh, and so, so you know, today we can't even shake hands. You know, this is crazy. Yeah, They're handing a dirty, nasty sandal. And, and so Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I am buying from Naomi everything that belonged to em, uh, Elimelech, Chilion, and Malon. Both uh, Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And this is so cool, folks. And it says that they got married, and they had a baby, and they lived happily ever after. And it's a beautiful love story. And, and, and the woman said to Naomi, they come back to Grandma Naomi, and they, and they said, they said, Blessed be the Lord who has 
not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name be well known. Uh, may his name be well known in Israel. And today it's still well known. Boaz. We're talking about him several thousand years later. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Now wait a minute. This is the lady that went from bitter to renewed. Do you see the, the, the mighty hand of God? And Naomi took the child and she became the nanny. And the scriptures tell us here that the son that was born to Naomi, they named him Obed. And Obed became one day the father of Jesse. And Jesse became the father of King David. And King David was the lineage from where we get Jesus. And you see, in the middle of all their mistakes, they walked away from God. God's hand was still at work. And God says, I'm going to show you, I'm going to bring the ultimate redeemer. Like you talk about a kinsman redeemer, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He, he, is, he was 100% God and 100% man. He's the only one that could redeem you. And so as I look at this today, I see all these incredible things. But I want you to catch this. I've often thought, why didn't they just name the book Naomi? I mean, Ruth is a wonderful story, right? And go home. I want to encourage you, play, play this thing and read it over and over. I, I, I did this all week long as I was preparing for this. For the last two weeks, I've been listening to the book of Ruth. It's four chapters. I, I go on my phone app and I listen to it. Four chapters in a row. You can do it on your way to the grocery store. It's amazing. And just like, wow. And that's why these things are jumping out. I'm like, she told her to put perfume on? Like, really? And she told her to lay at the foot of the bed and, 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 and all this love story that comes together. But I want, you, I want you to catch this. Naomi was bitter. And it's an incredible story. But I want, here's the applications I'm seeing today. God can take you from bitter to better. Would you say that with me? God can take you from bitter to better. Let's try that again. God can take you from bitter to better. Listen, you lose three family members? I know what that's like. You can become bitter. You can look at all of your losses. You can look at all the pain that you've had. And you know what? Bitterness comes. Here's what happens. Bitterness is an unforgiveness that hasn't been dealt with. And you can become so bitter. And, and, and I, th- I can't help but think of Naomi. Her name meant sweet. And she comes back. And look here in verse twenty, chapter 1, verse 20. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. It means bitter. Don't call me sweet. Call me bitter. For the Almighty has made me very bitter. Really? God made you bitter? God didn't make her bitter. God didn't change her name. You know, God changed Abram to Abraham. God changed uh, uh, many names in the Bible, and when he did, that it was all about teaching them what their new character would be like. God didn't change her to be bitter. That was her reaction. That was her reaction. And uh, in the meantime, God, was, God had this woman come over here to Moab so that she, her son could meet, uh, could meet Ruth and, and that her son would die so that Ruth would now marry the kinsman and, and they could have this baby that would be the lineage of Jesus Christ. Like the, this massive plan of God was unfolding and she couldn't see it. And she says, call me bitter. I wonder about you today. Would that be you? Would you be saying, call me bitter? Like maybe you don't say that, but you talk about the same person over and over. It's just bitterness. 
You, 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 unhold, you, you hold unforgiveness on somebody and you talk about it for a year, two years, three years, five years, ten years. That's bitterness. And you know what it does? It, it, it will eat away at your soul. It will eat away at your physical health. Bitterness destroys. And, and, and I see this beautiful picture here that, that she went from bitter to better. Because at the very end of the story, it says that God restored her. Like she, her old age was restored. And, and this whole story is about redemption. And like God buys it back. And so how many times have you looked at the situations in life and you became bitter? You became angry at God. It's a natural response, isn't it? You became angry at the people who hurt you. You became angry at your loss. And then sometimes you're just so angry, you don't even know you're angry anymore. You're just living in this anger, and you can't even see it. But everybody else around you, they see this person who's bitter. Bitterness can blind us, folks. Bitterness can blind us. Oh, as I'm thinking about how she was blinded, she said when she returned back to Bethlehem, she has this wonderful daughter-in-law that says, I will go where you go. I will stay with you. In the meantime, she says, I am empty. Go read it in the book of in Ruth 1. She says, I am empty. That's not true. God was providing for her. God gave her all these wonderful blessings. And she says, I am empty. Yeah, she had some major losses. But look what God was doing. And we see this mighty hand of God. Ruth chose to live in bitterness. And I want to encourage you because you can't change how people treat you or have mistreated you, but you can change how you respond to it. Did you catch that? You can't change how others have treated you, but you can change how you respond to it. Bitterness will grow over time. If we don't deal with bitterness, it grows over time. And just look at Naomi's life here. And, and, and you know, over the time, look at, look at how this, this bitterness just kept growing and growing in her life. And I love what the author of Hebrews says here. Hebrews 12:15 says, Make sure that no one misses the grace of God and that no root of bitterness grows up to cause... What's it say? What's it say? At the root of all troubles, bitterness. Let no root. Do you ever look at a tree and there's roots down below? Do you ever dig up the roots down below? It's nasty digging up roots, isn't it? I hate it. You go and you can chop a tree down and them roots go down forever. Them roots go down and you can't see it for years. It's been growing. You're mad at your dad. Your dad said this when you were little and you couldn't... And he liked your brother more than you. And man, you're mad. And you're the one who's hurt. And you're the one who's suffering. You're the one who's destroyed over this thing. It says, don't let one root, like cut those roots out. Oh, man, this is, this is so powerful. Don't let bitterness grow. Make sure that no one misses the grace of God. Don't let the root of bitterness grow up in your life. It will cause trouble and it will hurt many people. That's what bitterness does. Bitterness is like drinking rat poison and expecting the rat to die. You drink the rat poison and you expect the rat to die. John Ortberg. Powerful words. Powerful words. Ephesians. Paul said it like this. Ephesians chapter 4. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. So, Listen, what's new from, from Ruth to us is the Holy Spirit. 
You have the Holy Spirit. He's living in you. He's sealed you till the day you get to heaven. And he says, listen, don't grieve the Spirit of God. Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all malice. He says, remove that root of bitterness. It's the same message. Remove it. Extrapolate it. Cut it out. Get rid of it. But you don't understand how I feel. You don't understand what that person did to me. That's not, this, the Scripture doesn't say that, that that gives you an excuse to keep bitterness. Scripture says remove it. It will destroy your life. And he goes on here. He says, what's the, 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 the next verse says, Be kind and compassionate towards one another, forgiving one another, just as God forgave you. You've offended a holy God. God put his own son on the altar for you. And he forgave you. He says, I want you to forgive in that same way. I want you to remove the root of bitterness. Don't call me sweet. Call me bitter. God can take you from bitter to better. He says to put it away. You know why he says to put that stuff away? Because it comes up. Listen, there's going to be trouble. There's always trouble in paradise. You've got to deal with it. You've got to extrapolate it and you've got to toss it. But if you keep there and you keep festering on it, you keep loving it, you keep, you keep looking at it, you keep, you know, all it's doing is killing you. God says don't do that. Forgive one another as Christ forgave you. Uh, the key to overcoming bitterness is forgiveness. Would you say that with me? The key to overcoming bitterness is forgiveness. The second application I see from the story of Ruth and Naomi is that God loves everyone Everywhere. Say that with me. God loves everyone everywhere. Ruth was a woman from Moab. They were told not to worship with them. They were told not to go there, not to live there. What they do, they go down, they live there. They settle in and they bring back the Moabite woman. God shows us his love by bringing the Moabite woman to God. Ruth becomes part of the lineage of The lineage of Jesus Christ. That is so powerful. He didn't just say you're forgiven. He says, I'm going to use you now. So that is the most powerful thing here. And I want you to remember that God loves us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So who does He say? He loves the world. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in His sight. Amen? Folks, this is the message that the world needs to hear right now. That is the message that God has called us to carry on out there. You cannot get on the right side, the wrong side of all this stuff. There is only one side. It is God. Amen? And God says that I love everybody. And I want to encourage you to go out and love everybody like God loves us. For God so loved the world. He didn't say, for I only love Israel. He didn't say, I only love the good people. He said, I love every one of them. Good, bad. And then lastly this morning, he says that God's plan is bigger than any one of my plans. They had a plan to get food. And God said, I've got a plan. Watch what I'm going to do. Elimelech dies. Malon and Chilion die. One daughter-in-law abandons you. But Ruth comes back and is part of the plan of God. Ephesians 3.20, 
God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you this morning to see into your heart. Like maybe God got a hold of you and God spoke something into you today. Maybe somebody has really hurt you. Somebody's really offended you. Maybe you've experienced a loss of a friendship, a loss of a loved one. Maybe you're going through pain like, like Naomi did. Are, are you bitter? God knows it. Probably half your family knows it. Maybe today God wants you to humble yourself in His sight. Say, God, I want to be better. I don't want to be bitter. Do in me what you did in, in, in Naomi. Transform my heart, God. Pain is real. I get it, folks. When you, when you lose, I've lost three loved ones in five years, man. That, that's legit pain. Makes me mad. Makes me angry. Makes me bitter. I'll tell you what. When you humble yourself in the sight of an almighty God, God says, I'll make you better. But he's the one who's got to do it. And you've got to humble yourself and surrender to him. So I would invite you today, if you've not opened your heart to Jesus yet, that's the beginning place. Just come to him and say, God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. You died on the cross and you paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. God, I'm trusting you with my heart and my soul right now. And for others in this room, maybe you've been following God for quite a while, but you're battle-worn. You've taken some hits. And hits stink, don't they? There's so much pain. Human relationships are human relationships. They hurt, they fail, they come and they go. You've been hurt by somebody somewhere, and God says, listen, I want to heal your heart. But God wants to do it, not you. You can't fix it. You've got to come and meet with God and let Him take the root of bitterness out. You've got to start to love everyone everywhere. Father, be with each person here. I pray for each one this morning as you have struck chords in all of our hearts. For we all deal with the pain of life. We deal with bitterness. We've dealt with bad decisions that we've made. We've gone to Moab and we've, we have gone against your will. We've gone against your word. But yet you still love us. And, and just like you did with Ruth and Naomi and, and this, this incredible story of Boaz stepping in. God, you stepped into our life. You became our Redeemer. And you bought us back. And you give us life. Thank you for this picture of your hand. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, folks. We're glad that you are here today. Would you stand and be dismissed and uh, exit from the last rows going that way. God bless you and have a great day. And by the way, folks, we have a movie this weekend, all right? There's a drive-in movie, Aladdin, on the parking lot, all right? So it'll be FM transmitted to your car. You can pull up a lawn chair, do whatever. See you Friday night. Check the website. Thank you.